how many of you guys were, were here last week? I pulled out um, my little model kit, and we're talking about looking at the picture. Thank you, bud. Well, Kel and I worked long and hard last night, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Flux capacitor and all. And uh, I, I'll tell you, it was exactly how I remembered it. It was fun and extremely frustrating. <laughs> we, we had uh, several times uh, to kind of to, to start and restart the project, but it is, it is pretty cool. We're, we're talking about doing a little paint job and, and really kind of seeing if we can finish it up. But um, the thing about Kel and I is we're, we're both perfectionists. So... Uh, we, uh, we broke off, you know, the little fish hook that, come, that connects and makes the electricity connection to go back in time, and, and so that was really bothering us last night. <laughs> we'll have to get some super glue and, and fix that. Um, so if you haven't been here, this is, our, this is our third week in the Fight Club message series, and so the reason why I felt like we needed a Fight Club series is I wanted all of us men in the church to really understand what it is that we're after as the men of our house. So ladies, let me say again, I said this last week, I am so thankful for you. Um, as you will find out next week when my wife takes the stage, um, there are many of you that I know that can outfight us men. <laughs> and uh, so as we've been going um, in this series, it's been so cool to hear of, of you ladies say, well, let me tell you about my fight club. <laughs> and um, you guys, the thing is, you intrinsically, a lot of you um, have relationships and you don't tend towards isolation, but you tend to, to gather. And so it's, it's really cool that um, you guys are in this too. And I just want to thank you for extending grace as we've been just kind of speaking to the men of the house. And, um, and honestly, you've been so honoring and allowing us to do that. So thank you. This is our last week um, in this. And then we'll jump back into Ephesians um, for our worthy series. So I wanted to do this instead of just sending a text or an email or putting it on a flyer. I wanted to talk out loud about it, you know, for a bit because A, it takes us a few times to hear something for it to sink in sometimes, doesn't it? And, and B, there's a little accountability here because the women and some of the children in the room have been hearing what we've been talking about. So now we've all heard it together. So if you don't want to be in a fight club, we've got to explain to our family why you don't want to be in a fight club, right? And so that's a little bit awkward. But I'm, I'm not trying to put you guys on the spot. I'm really not. I, I've got a whole lot of mercy for the men in this room because I am one of the men in this room. But I also know that I have a desire to be everything that God created me to be. And I know that God put a destiny in my life. And what I, what I also know from the very first man that was put on the planet, um, the possibility of us not fulfilling that destiny is a very real possibility. So you can, you can make a lot of money in your lifetime. You can run your own business, even open up a franchise. Um, you, can, you can be the best hunter of your little clump of guys you know, here in South Dakota. Um, you can be the, the top 10% of the CrossFitters in town or accomplish some great endeavor, whatever it is. Move up the corporate ladder, be successful in the arts community. You can do all that stuff. You can do a lot of great things. You can have a family and have kids and have grandkids and still miss out on the God-given destiny that is inside of your life. And so we've been talking about this. Um, you know, if, if I don't believe, you know, that this is true for me, 
you know, that, that, that I, then I believe that I'm a cut above Adam. You know, I believe I'm a cut above King David. I believe I'm a cut above all the men in the stories of scripture who didn't fulfill their God-given destiny, who needed the grace of God to help them along, right? And I think there's a general characterization about men, we talked about this last week, that can tend to be true. We can tend towards isolation and insulation. We tend to say things like, I'm good, everything's fine. Um, let me handle it, I'm taking care of you. Nobody, nobody needs to worry about me, let me handle it, okay? I'm, I'm just, right now I'm using all the things that you're, you've said probably this week, guys, right? I'm the one who's concerned about everybody else. Have you ever heard yourself say that? And so we tend to be isolated, not because we don't have feelings, but I think for a lot of us, we just don't wanna deal with our feelings. We don't wanna deal with it. So we're not naturally wired up and blessed like our amazing ladies are. And so to be in touch with your feelings, you know, it doesn't mean that you're feeling less. It just means that maybe we're scared of turning into a, an, an, an emotional basket case. Not, not to say that's what I think about women, right? <laughs> that's not what I meant. Don't take me out of context. It's not to say that. It's just to say that men tend to put things in extremes. And for a man, we think, I don't want to turn down that road because then I'm going to turn into this emotional person, right? And we've all seen what that looks like with Sean up there when he loses it, <laughs> right? And I don't want to go down that route. Some of you have that emotional gifting, and we all love you because it's like you're both tough and tender. You know, you're, you're a man of steel and a man of velvet, and, and you can rule the world and cry at night at the right time in a movie. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. But a lot of us are more likely to say, I think I've got it. I don't think I want to cry in public. You know, I'm, I'm okay. So I, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. I, I remember being at a, at a restaurant with a friend and we were talking about some details for his wedding. He was getting married. He's one of my best friends, my best friend in college. And I was going to do some, some music for his wedding. And I honestly don't remember, um, even remember the song as, or much of the details right now. That's, that's me. Uh, I, I could say typical guy, right? But I do remember that we're eating at a restaurant, thinking it was Red Lobster. It's kind of those, you know, a step above, step above Applebee's, but I, I, can, I can still afford it as a college kid, kind of a restaurant. And, and so anyway, we were there and we were talking through the wedding. And I remember him pulling out his phone and I remember him giving me some earbuds to listen to the song. It was probably more likely like a Walkman, if you remember what those things are. And, and he pushed the button, had the anti-skip feature. And you know, those of you that know me well, anyways, you know, you know that I love music. I, I, I love some music in some pretty deep ways. I love, I love music, I listen to it a lot. I like discovering music, I love creating music. And for whatever reason, the combination of the words and the melody and the instrumentation and the production of the music playing in my ears that night while I was sitting and listening at Red Lobster, I started having some tears come down my eyes. And you know, I was getting emotionally wrecked by the song that was playing in my ears. And this, this is, isn't a, I mean, I can, I can typically control myself you know, when, I'm, when I'm in a public space. Well, needless to say, this was a little awkward for two men at Red Lobster. He's sitting alone together at a crowded restaurant and my friend starts looking sideways. You know, he's like, what is going on? It's like trying not to make eye contact, right? I was trying to get it together, but against all odds, we were doing our best just to not make eye contact. We're like, I was, I had like streams flowing because I think the number one rule of guys crying, for me anyways, is that you don't make eye contact. So I'm, I'm looking around, I'm like, I'm crying a stream and he's 
like, you all right, brother? You know, <laughs> you okay? Okay, anything I can pray for? <laughs> you know, he's trying, he's trying to smooth it. So we don't make eye contact. We actually barely even talked. I didn't know what to do. I, I just asked for the check. <laughs> It's like, get me out of here. And I tried to leave as fast as I could. True story. <laughs> now, we get in the car. So, ladies, do we talk about it when we get in the car? No, no we didn't talk about it. We, we drive back to the campus and we say good night, close the door. Do we talk about it when we bump into each other that, later that day, guys? No. Do we talk about it the next morning at the mess hall? No. And so, do we ever talk about it? Never! <laughs> Well, at least it took me a few years to relive that story, and now I think it's funny. But uh, to be able to laugh about it and, and just, just kind of remember, because for a lot of us, we don't want to connect too strongly to an emotional journey, especially if another man is in the equation. So it was this awkward situation. But now I've probably flipped that script now and I can cheer up at the drop of a hat. I'm kind of a big teddy bear now. So I don't know what happened to me, but there you go. God makes us all different. And so I know I'm not addressing every man the same here this morning, but we can have those tendencies. And it takes some time for us sometimes to process how we feel. Now, if this story, if that would have been two women sitting at the table, it would have been a little bit different picture, right? You know, her friend starts crying and it becomes a special moment. <laughs> it's like, it's like you, you, you make a memorial of the moment, right? Because, because it's a connecting place. They probably sat in, the, in that restaurant and they cried together. And then, and then maybe they even went back to the restaurant next year. Let's take the family back and show them. This is where this beautiful moment happened. We were sitting here together and, and the, the most amazing time in our lives. And, and we hugged and we embraced and our mascara was all over the place. And I don't know why she was crying, but I just had to cry too. And we were hugging and we were embracing. And we enjoyed the moment. So I wanted to get the family and bring you to this spot to remember. <laughs> so, guys, I'm pretty sure, for me, I haven't ever even gone back to that restaurant. <laughs> like, so I'm just trying to help the guys understand, you know, I get it. Um, a lot of times we're not likely to want to peel back the layers. A lot of times we're like an onion and we think one layer goes off and we deserve a trophy, you know? And some of, a, some of you might remember, Shrek talked about this. As I was doing this the first time, some of my teenagers over here reminded me of this little clip. Watch this. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Okay, um... Ogres are like onions. They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers? You get it. We both have layers. <sighs> oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody like onions. <laughs> so we get proud, you know, I was a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, so there's probably only about a hundred more layers and then we'll be down to something, right? And so for guys, we tend towards isolation, which honestly, let's get real. 
Most of us guys have great friends. I talked about this a little bit last week as well. But for a lot of us, our great friends who guys who don't even live in our city. And so, you know, oh, my buddy Joel, he's my closest friend. Well, he, he's in Seattle, and we went together in college. You know, that's awesome. Or my friend David, you know, we used to work together at the same church, and we're really tight, but we don't live in the same state anymore, and we don't work together either. So guys just tend towards um, socialization, for the sake of, for some of you, maybe it's sporting events or a, or a fishing trip or a golf outing or maybe a concert if you're like me. Um, but we tend towards isolation when we're talking about people really being in our lives. And, and when we're isolated, we're easy targets. And so insulation for us is our inability to be honest with ourselves about the things that we've pierced into our hearts. And there have been things in all of our lives, disappointments, a job that didn't turn out, a relationship that didn't turn out, a dad that was a jerk to us, you know, or a dad that wasn't even there, or a dad that intentionally tried to hurt us. And we just gloss over that because that's what we tend to do. We figure it out and we navigate it because, you know, that's kind of what we do. And so honestly, you know, we've done pretty good because look at us, you know, we're here, we're employed, we're, we're provided for our family, you know, we helped put a roof over our heads. These are the things we kind of pound our fist on the table. We're working, you know, with our wives to put food on the table and, and we're doing the best that we can. But, you know, a lot of guys in the room are saying, well, I never had a dad to show me what to do. I never had that picture of the model car in the front, but I'm just doing the best I can to make, you know, do. And so, but I think there's a lot more for us. And actually, I know there's a lot more for us, for the men in our house. And can I just say this? We've got great men in this house. We've got really, if you were to ask me, you know, name your top 20 men that you know of, you've known in your lifetime, you know, half of them would be here in this church. Uh, we, there, there are phenomenal fathers in this church, amen? And there's phenomenal, there's incredible husbands in this church. And they're extraordinary honorable, game-changing influencers in this church. And there are men of prayer and there are men of word in this house. But I feel for us to raise that bar even a little bit further. It's going to be a beautiful thing in the grand arc of, of Destiny's story. And I believe Fight Club is going to be a key component for how that's going to work for all of us. So our tech supports Fight Club. If you think those words are a little too aggressive, um, you know, A, maybe you've never had boys in the house, right? Anybody ever experienced, anybody have ever experienced maybe even like in college, you know, where the, the, the guys are roughhousing and somebody's like head goes through a wall or an arm goes through the wall, the RN, the floor monitor has to, you know, kind of calm things down, but he's got to write you up at the same time. You know, even up into college, there's, there's, that, there's that stuff, the, the doormat has to get it under control and write somebody, but we're, not, but we're not talking about, you know, fighting against each other when we're talking about this series. We're not talking about fighting against things, we're talking about what we're contending for. Right? That's what we've been talking about this whole time. Wrapping it all up in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7. I have fought the good fight. This is what Paul says at the end of his life. I have fought the good fight. So it's actually scriptural for us to say that I want to contend and I want to fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. So we want to be men and women who come to the end of our journey on planet Earth, whether that's 30 years or 50 years and say, or 80 years, and I contend for what's, what's mattered most in my life. Not just that I contended, but I contended for the things that mattered most. And so what does that mean? We're just going to kind of wrap this up with this conversation this morning. Um, you know, what it means is I did what God put me on this planet to do, and I kept the faith. 
In other words, even at the very end, after all the storms, all the hardship, all the highs, all the lows, all the difficulties in between, I still believe in what I believed in when I started on this journey with God. It's fighting the fight. And I believe Fight Club is going to help us be that kind of man, be that kind of woman. So you can, you can go to a football game, right, filled with a stadium of 60, 70, 80,000 people. When we were in Colorado, you know, you know that being a Denver Broncos fan was where it was at. And, and so the Mile High Stadium in Denver seats 76,000 people, 76,000 fans. So I love that analogy of how these football games work. You know, you've got 75,000 people that are slightly overweight, just speaking of myself, of course, um, as I hold my stomach in right now. But they're in the stands who are the experts, right? <laughs> On everything. And then you've got 22 people, the 22 guys that are on the field who are actually playing the game. And I think that that's what we're really trying to leverage in these next few months as we go into this arch called Fight Club is we want the 75,000 out on the field. And so because there's something powerful about that, I, you know, I didn't play a lot of organized sports growing up. The closest thing I ever got to in high school sports um, was uh, about halfway through, halfway through a season of, of high school soccer. I didn't even make it through the season. It just wasn't for me. But for the guys that play football on that field, especially at the highest level, you understand what Fight Club is all about, right? They understand what Fight Club is all about because you're, you're out, of, out of the stands. You're not sitting on a chair at home with a big gulp in one hand and a remote in the other. You know, you are committed, you're invested, you've sacrificed, and to the degree that you are in the field, you become extraordinarily vulnerable, don't you? Because every play, every move, every execution, every block is graded and it's evaluated by all those people in those seats. And to be one of those 11 people on the field or the, the 22 people total, it's, it's taken a level you know, of, of commitment and sacrifice, of sweat, blood, toil, and tears that's completely different then the experience people are having in section 304 deciding whether they're gonna have a you know, hot dog you know, during the break at halftime, right? And so I think, I think it can be like that for us. We can sit in church and we can watch from a distance and we can know three or four you know, guys who seem to be Jesus guys and we can sort of celebrate and know what that looks like. We can maybe get a hand up and worship occasionally um, or we can just get on the field we can get on the field and get some guys of our own and, and, and make that commitment of our own and say, I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to, I want to be a participator in what God wants me to be as a man or a woman after God's own heart. And I want to get in there with some other guys and make it work. Proverbs 23, 17 says this, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. That's what we're going for. So I'm going to talk really quickly about the four arenas again, so everybody's on the same page, and then I'm going to offer up some five questions that will kind of be the, the lead spot in, in these fight groups. So that you understand what a fight club is, we'll catch everybody up. I want to encourage you. Now, here's the process. This is the beginning of the process of, of getting your guys and finding the time and getting your club together, seeing how it works, registering your fight club so that you can be in the loop with the rest of us beginning that journey. We want to talk about contending in four areas. Number one, we want to talk, uh, we want to uh, fight for our walk with God. So the, the first thing that we want to do is contend for our relationship with God because why? It is the first thing that the enemy is going to attempt to destroy. And a man is a relationship with God. And the enemy would be happy for us to do a million things as long as we don't become a man of the word and a man of prayer. 
Oh, I, I go to church. Oh, I, I believe the good book. Oh, I've prayed the prayer. I've definitely showed up at, you know, men's Bible study occasionally. I definitely believe it all. I support it all. I'm, I'm giving to the church. And God's like, oh, that's great, but that's not why you were created. You were created for a relationship with me. And so the best gift any of us men can give to this generation, the next generation, the ones to come, is to be known as a man after God's own heart. We got to keep coming back to those six defining key words that we're talking about that God used to capture um, King David's life, a man after God's own heart. And so a man after God's own heart can be summarized like this, a man of the word and a man of prayer. And that's going to take a fight because nobody's rewarding this at the office. Nobody's rewarding the extra time that you got out before you went to work. And if you, you know, get your workout in before work, now you got to get extra time before your workout and you, you, before you get to work. And nobody's rewarding you for covering out the time to be students of the word of God. And so to be immersed in the word of God, to learn the word of God so that we can A, live it, and B, we can pass it on to our children because Ephesians 6 says it's the father's job is not to exasperate the children, but to bring them up in the knowledge of the Lord. Remember that? Father's number one job is not to put the bar so high, you know, Ephesians 5, that your kids end up giving up at the end of the day because you push them so far and so hard. That's not it. But it's to teach them the word of God. Fathers, don't offload that responsibility. It's not the youth pastor's job or anyone else. Verse 4 says right there, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So listen, I fully believe in the partnership and unity of a husband and wife and raising up sons and daughters. You unif you're unified as one flesh, right? It talks about in scriptures. But guys, don't let this be offloaded on mom either. Don't neglect your part in this role. And how, how, would, you, how would you possibly do that if, if you're in the word and if you're in prayer? We want to contend for our walk with God. That's, this is why this is important. The second area we want to contend for with the fight is for our hearts and our character. Proverbs 22.1 talks about this. A good name is more desirable than riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And all we need to do is take a quick survey of the landscape of humanity and the men in our culture and you understand that silver and gold is way more important than being esteemed in our culture, isn't it? And, and if the choice were there for a lot of men, great riches would be an easy choice over a good name. And it happens every single day in our world, doesn't it? And so we know that we have to fight for our heart and we have to fight for our character. David was brave. He was discerning. He was anointed of God. He had the ability to play on the instrument and see the power of God move things in the spiritual world. Even when he was young, he was honorable. You know, and he made a boatload of honorable decisions in his life, but he was still subject to temptation. And so am I. And so is every man and woman sitting in this room right now. And anyone who doesn't believe that is... <laughs> Honestly, an easy target, right? Deceived, deluded. And so we talked about it last week. It says in uh, 2 Samuel 11, in the spring, at that time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. And one evening, David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba. And listen to how helpful this answer is. The daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. That's a helpful servant right there, right? That's a servant who can't say because of his place, he knows his place. What are you thinking about? 
What, what are you, why are you up? Why are you fighting with the other soldiers? Why did you stay behind? It's not good to be isolated. And, and you're, you're being the king already. You're already insulated because nobody can get to where you are today. And so you pretty much could do whatever you want to do and whatever decides to do. So A, I don't know why you're up here and you're not in the battle. And B, while we're talking about it, why are you looking at Bathsheba? These are the things that he couldn't say. And C, you know her dad. And D, her husband's out fighting for you right now. Right? If the servant said all that, it would have been his last call. So he's looking for a different way to say it. He says, that's Bathsheba. You know, Iliam's daughter. Daughter. Her daughter. So David, that's his clue. But like a lot of us, we miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to do for us there. And at... At every turn, David misses it here, and David just blows right through that stop sign. And he sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her, and she went back home, and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, hello, I'm pregnant. Now, how did that happen? Do you know how that happened? No, no show of hands necessary. But how many, of, how many men know how that happened? Everyone in here knows how that happened, right? Nobody's going, wow, that's a weird story. You know, I certainly don't understand that. What was, what was David thinking? Listen, every one of us knows how that happened. It says in, it says in James chapter 1, verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire, or lust, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And that lust is in the heart of every man. It may not be for Bathsheba, it may, not, it may be lust for money, lust for power, lust for revenge, lust for fame. Lust is in the heart of man. And if lust is in our hearts, then being isolated and insulated is a setup for failure. Listen to me. Every young man and woman in the room, every person pursuing a romantic relationship, being isolated and insulated is a setup for failure. And here's the thing. We've all failed in some area of sin because scripture says that we've all sinned and we've come short of the glory of God, right? But in this fight, there's something about having some guys around you, having some men around us that can help us overcome the temptation that we face. And obviously, lust is not just a, a male problem. Porn is a problem. It's a massive, overwhelming male problem. But porn is also a massive female problem. And if so, you know, so if we can just broaden the conversation a bit today, this is all of us in the place today. And we've got a fight on our hands, contending for our heart and contending for our character. And so the, the, the third thing we're contending for, and the third arena we want to fight for is this. We want to fight for our family. And so if you don't have a family yet, then this is, this is the best news of all, because you're fighting for your future family. And you start fighting for your wife today, right? You, you start fighting for your future kids today. You start fighting for your husband today but I'm only 23 and I'm not even dating anyone. Well, great. It's the perfect time to start fighting and contending for your wife today. Start fighting for your kids today. Get the focus off of me. 
this, that, the other, what I want to do, what I'm not doing, what I should be doing, what I want to be doing, and start the path of thinking, okay, one day, I hope to be a man after God's own heart. I, have to, I, I hope to be a woman after God's own heart. I hope to leave a legacy, you know, for the generation. So how do I begin today to start thinking about my future wife, my future children, if God so provides, right? This is what we want to fight for. We want to fight for our family. Men, a lot of you, you know, we, we, around here in the state of South Dakota, we'd like to be hunters and gatherers, right? You want to bring home the bacon. And so whether you're shooting something and cooking it for dinner or whether you're just working to provide for your family, we, we tend to uh, the space of being providers and protectors. And a lot of us love to do that for our family. But we're also the fountain for the approval and the worth that our families so desperately need. Ephesians 5, verse 25, the invitation comes to us this way. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. God created you, men, to be an encourager. And for many of us, you know, protectors, a canopy, over. And so in the middle of the night when glass breaks in your house, again, this isn't everybody, but many women don't mind a man who would want to get up and go check it out. Now, I know that some of you ladies are fighters too, so I don't discount that. There was one time um, that this scenario was playing out at my house. We, we were living in Dallas in a violent crime neighborhood, and there was somebody that was trying to break into our house. And um, it had happened uh, two times in, within a, a series of just a, just a few days. And it was at times where obviously we were at home. The lights were on, the music was playing, and they were trying to um, get into our house. And it was somebody who, who had a key. Because, uh, so maybe somebody that worked with the apartment, because the first time when they, they tried the key, it opened. And I was sitting in the living room and Deanna was right next to me. And I was on the phone and the door opened and I just instinctively just kind of jumped uh, across the room and slammed the door shut. And when I opened it again, I looked out and there was a guy with a ski mask on, two guys with ski masks on running away. South Dallas, y'all. <laughs> a couple days later, they attempted again. They tried to put the key in the door. We had already had the locks changed. So it was super scary. I was, Deanna and I were both security officers, but it's a whole different playing field. It's a whole different feeling when it happens at home when you have to confront that totally shook us to our core. Um, we were, I was already done with Bible college. We were planning on, on, on going out the rest of the semester and, um, and I mean, uh, the rest of the year just for our, for our jobs and then making the transition at Christmas time. But we decided, let's get out of here. We don't need to be here when this is happening. This is, we're done with this. Let's, let's look for a job. That's when I first started um, looking for employment back here in South Dakota. So I was awake on my bed, on my computer, looking for work. And we were on the second floor story of this apartment and there's a balcony right literally about five feet away from my bed with a sliding patio door and I hear a thud. And so I was prepared. I had my weapon of choice, which was a glass bottle of Mrs. Butterworth syrup <laughs> right next to the bed. So I quickly grabbed Mrs. Butterworth and, and I looked behind me because Deanna was in the bed right next to me and she was already up and in action and I, I didn't even know where she had gone. It was, she, had, she had so quickly went to the fight that she was in the next room looking through the window 
um, you know, of the perpetrator that was on our, on our patio, like literally about five foot away from me. And he was trying to cut the chains of our, we just had a couple of mountain bikes that were chained up there. He was cutting them and they, they ended up getting our bikes. And, um, but she was already on the phone with 911 and um, I was there shaking in my booties with Mrs. Butterworth. <laughs> I was ready, I had, I had her, I had Mrs. Butterworth, and I, I, but I was, you know, scary, scary thing. And so, but anyway, anyhow, most ladies still probably don't mind a man that when that happens in the middle of the night will say, you know, I got it. Most, most women don't care as much maybe for a guy that responds by saying, babe, did you hear that? Uh, some, sounds like somebody just broke the window in the kitchen. Would you mind good chicken on that for us? <laughs> there's, there's something natural about a man having this desire to protect and provide, to be a hunter and a gatherer, but we also have to ask God to up our emotional IQ. And so not our emotionalism necessarily, but just up our emotional IQ because our families need more than just financial deposits. They need emotional deposits. I, listen, you, you're saying, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm not good at that. I'm not good with words. My dad never even hugged me one time growing up, so I don't even know what, what that looks like. And, and so maybe you don't have that on the human family tree, but you've got another family tree. And, and you, can, you can get into it and you can tie into it, mainly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, correct? And there's a lot of love flowing down that tree. And so to crash into the life of every young man and turn him into a son of Almighty God, we talked about this, to give him a brand new identity. What's that identity? A loved son or daughter of a perfect father. And so he gives us the opportunity to say things that our wives, that our children really need to hear. And I'm not talking from the place of uber strength in this. Deanna could tell you this if she were here. But I'm talking from a place what I really believe that uh, the ladies in our lives need or want from us. Deanna is continually teaching me this. And that, that is just using these phrases. I love you with words. I like you because that's a, that's a whole different phrase, right? I'm thinking about you. I, I want to be with you and I want to help you fulfill your dreams. And so seems pretty easy, right? Seems relatively simple. You know, babe, have I told you today that I love you? And in some, some other way, have I communicated to you um, that not only do I love you, but I like you? And then in a different way, have I communicated to you today that I really want to be with you and I'm thinking about you. And I'm not just looking at you to see how you can help me fulfill my dream, but I want to support you in living out and fulfilling your dreams that God puts in your heart. And you can be a hunter and a gatherer and a provider and a protector, but if you also understand that you can unlock a powerful sense of worth in your family, then you start contending for what matters most in your life. So the fourth area, and we could talk a whole lot more about each one of these, but that's what you know, men's retreat for, that's what fight clubs are for. Men's retreat next weekend, guys, get signed up. Today's the deadline, register, do whatever you can to, to, to be there. We'd love to have a whole retreat to just kind of talk about how we can be better fathers and better husbands and the men that we want to be. But the fourth area that we, we want to contend for and that we want to fight for is our brother. So, and that's why a fight club is three to five men. Not official number, no official number of guys, but it's more than one. It's more than two because Ecclesiastes says, I love this text, verse 12, verse, uh, chapter 4. Though one man be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So we want to stand before our brother and say, yeah, I'm going to help you. 
fight in these four arenas. And I'm going to help you become the man that you want to be. And, I'm, and, the, and then corporately, we're going to fight for everyone who needs someone to, to, to come to their aid. So together as men, you know, we're going to say, where are the marginalized? Where are those who lack justice? Where are those that cannot fight for themselves? We want to fight for you. And so in all four of these arenas, ultimately, our success comes down to two things. It comes down to brotherhood. It comes down to transparency. So this is just, this isn't just, we have a job to do. You know, we're going out as brothers in a war. And so we're going out as brothers onto that field and where we stand beside, we fight beside, we play beside, we lose beside, we win beside. We have, we, we have to have the concept and, and have in our mindset, the mindset of brotherhood, that we're in this together, sisterhood. We have to be brothers or sisters in the fight, right? And so the second thing that's got to happen, there's got to be a transparency because it's not going to work to get together once a week or twice a month or once a month, whatever you decide that you need and talk about life, talk about family, you know, talk about our walk with God, talk about temptation, talk about love, talk about the needs about all those around us, you know, talk about being honest, but, but then not be honest. <laughs> and so in other words, every man in this room holds the cards as to how successful you want to be in reaching the destiny that God has for you, hold all the cards. And if you are not willing to put them all down the table, you might not make it to the destiny that God has put in your heart. That's why Fight Club is so important. So we're masters at making less severe or less painful our real self and giving just enough information, right? But not really getting to the point. And so, man, I'm just challenging myself and to you. Let's do this in brotherhood. It's not gonna be one lone ranger who does this. There's not books written about the one lone ranger that fought against all the enemies of our heart. But there's, a, there's a, enough books to fill up this room right now of all the men trying to, to fight against all the enemies of man's heart and who failed because they tried to do it by themselves. This is gonna take brotherhood, it's gonna take vulnerability. And so woven into the Fight Club, it's not a discipleship group per se, it's not a Bible study, there doesn't have to be a spiritual leader who's smarter than everybody and knows all the answers to everything. Any three guys could start a Fight Club right now, even if none of you even know scripture that well. You can start a Fight Club if you don't know how to pray. You can start a Fight Club because the leading point of the Fight Club can ultimately be in these five questions that will all point make a beeline towards Jesus. That's the important thing. So we talked about the four arenas real quick. Let's hit the five questions. So we get together. What does it look like? It looks like a hang. How you doing? How was the trip? How's everything going at work? You know, great. Now the conversation starts turning to, we've got the four arenas to talk about. So how's, how's your walk with God? How's, how are things going with your wife? How are things at home? How's the family? How's your heart doing right now? How's your character doing right now? In what ways are you using the gifts and abilities that God's put in your hands for these people around you? Because men typically, we, what we'll do is we'll jump all over the map and we'll just end up, we'll get in the, we'll get in the group and we'll say, you good? You good? You good? We're all good? We're good? All right, somebody pray. All right, we're good. <laughs> Amen. Typically where guys go. So I'm offering up these five questions for Flight Club, and you don't need to use these religiously. Let's not get religious about this. But if you need help, these are great guidelines to help you not go where men typically go. And so let's go deeper than that. Here's five questions to help us. Question number one, have you intentionally pursued your relationship with God since we last met? Simple question, simple answer. No, I have not 
cracked open my Bible since we met last time, other than church, and honestly, I've not been on my knees, I have not prioritized God. And that's, that's, a, that's a good answer. And so you, you, know, you get kicked out of Fight Club, right? <laughs> right then and there, it's like, you're out, bye, good luck on your fight. No, that's when somebody else in the club says, well, why not? Why not? And so he, you know, responds, well, I, I don't really know. I, I just, it's more than, than I've just been busy. I, I just don't want to. And so, well, now we're getting vulnerable, right? And so to be really honest, maybe I, I, I just don't have that spiritual desire. And I don't know what's going on with me right now. And honestly, I don't even want, I, don't, I just don't think about it. And say, okay, man, well, thanks for being honest. Thanks for saying that because we want to pray that God will rekindle that desire in your heart. And all of a sudden, that's a brotherhood that's happening there. We want to fight for you. We want to agree with God that he will rekindle that desire in your heart because we've all been there, right? And so we're not putting on a mask. Well, you know, yes, I did my reading and I feel good about life. You know, the real answer is not that maybe. Maybe it's, well, I did my reading, but I only did it because I knew you guys, you jokers would be doing it with me. And, and if, if you weren't, I probably wouldn't have. But I woke up every day and I said, oh, well, I guess I got to pick up my Bible and that's where I am right now. And I'm struggling. Or it could be, you guys won't believe it. I'm in the word of God. God's blowing up. I'm doing the study in Proverbs and it's just igniting something in me. Awesome. Great. Good answer. Thanks for letting us know. And now prayer can happen. Encouragement can happen. Equipping each other can happen. It's a powerful thing. Second question. Have you made it a priority to love and lead your family well since we last met? <sighs> okay. I mean, last time you were mentioning things with your wife, Lori. So how's that going? You said you were going to take that trip together. What happened? You said that you were really needing to have that conversation. Did that happen? Third question. Coming back around, now that we've talked about that, have you looked at anything or been with anyone in a way that would compromise your purity since we last met? Easy enough question, right? People are like, well, I was going to get into Fight Club. <laughs> until about right now. And I'm thinking, yeah, I don't really need this in my life. But let's go deep, right? Let's talk about and contend for the things that matter most. Question number four. Have you been honorable? I, li I like the breadth of that. In other words, were you honest the way that you presented yourself in that meeting? Were you honest the way that you did that report? <laughs> right? And then number five, have you lived with a sense of mission, leveraging your life for others since we last met? Have you found any way to say, you know, I've got to get out of myself I've got to get beyond myself and fill in and fight for somebody that can't fight for themselves. So now obviously not everybody's going to get a hundred out of hundred for every question. If you do, why you'll become the leader of the fight club, right? <laughs> the grand pooba of all the fight clubs. You'll be the one that speaks to all of us on fight night. Um, <laughs> but no, most of us, we're going to be, our response is going to be, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good on that. Maybe not so good on that. I can do better on this, but I make a little headway here. And, you know, last season I was doing better there, but this season I'm not doing great there. So that's real life. And this is real talk. And this is why we need each other. This is real men contending for what matters most. The goal isn't to get a certain score when you leave Fight Club. 
The goal is that when you leave Fight Club, it's gonna be easier for me to fight for what matters most after sitting at that table. And know that I've got guys with me. It's gonna be easier for me to live for what matters most, know that I'm gonna go back to that table in 14 days from now, or whatever time frame it is, and I've gotta face those jokers again, and it's gonna be a lot easier for me to prioritize the things in my life that matter most. You do that once or twice and it's a game changer, but you do it for a year or two or three and it's a life transformer. It takes time, but it's worth it. So I wanna encourage you today to get your guys. And, and it, it's not gonna happen overnight. You know, some of you, you don't know where to start it. It might just be by going to breakfast with some guys and not saying anything about Fight Club, right? But just interviewing them kind of quietly. <laughs> Whether you like them or not, right? <laughs> hey, let's go to breakfast. Well, I'm not going to do Fight Club with that guy. <laughs> Don't think we'd make it. <laughs> no, you could come up to the stage. But so meet some guys, you know, hang out with some guys, ask around. If you've seen a guy in the house, you know, it looks like I can respect that guy. That guy seems like he's got something. Same stage of life. You know, you don't, here's, here's the thing I'm going to encourage. You don't really want a college kid in there with a CEO that's 49. That's a different relationship. That can be discipleship. That can be mentoring. And that can happen. But that's different from what we're going for here. Same stage of life. Make a plan. Register your fight club online. Here's where you can do it. You can go to mydestiny.family, and I'm sorry, I think I forgot to make a slide for this. It's our, it's our, it's our website, mydestiny.family backslash fight club. That's all you need to do. Register your fight club. It'll tell you all about fight club. I'll send out links and emails if you're connected in any way. We have a lot of ways for you to connect. Go to mydestiny.family backslash fight club, and we'll make sure to get the word out on email, on Facebook, all, that, all those different places this week, our text group. You'll, you'll see the five questions. You'll, get it, you'll, you'll see everything that you need to know right there, and we'll try to send you encouragement along the way in your fight clubs. So that, that doesn't mean you know, that you have to start this week. It doesn't, but here's the encouragement. I want you to start finding your guys now. I've, I'm, on the, I'm in the place right now where I'm starting this thing too. I'm, I'm going to make this a priority in my life. I've been preaching this series for me. I've got, I've got one guy so far, and uh, you know our group is, is, is started. So I, I'm, we're, we're looking for more, but you guys, you guys need to find your guys. So go out. It says, this is iron sharpens iron, right? A man sharpens a man. Amen. And so we all want to be the sharpest that we can, we can be. Amen. Would you stand with me? We want to be the sharpest that we can be. So we can commit. Can we commit today to brotherhood? Can we commit today to sisterhood? Amen. And can we commit to vulnerability and transparency? And just being open and honest with each other. Because if we do, I believe things are going to change. And we're going to reach our God-given destiny and be the men and women that God created us to be. Amen. And so I hope you're in. And I hope you'll join us. And I'd love to hear about, you know, some fight clubs starting with every generation. Our teenagers, our young adults, our gray hairs. Every generation. You know, you know what? I, I've been in, in next-gen ministry uh, for 18 years of my life. But, it, but really... Um, it takes every generation to start a fire that consumes and keeps on burning, right? 
And so we need all of you. We need every single generation fighting for each other and holding each other up and just lighting the fire of Jesus in Rapid City. And I really, really, really believe that as we kind of go arm in arm together with each other in brotherhood and we just kind of make ourselves vulnerable, guys and ladies, you're, you're, again, you're, you guys are already champions at this. But as we make ourselves vulnerable, as we lay out our lives for something that's bigger than ourselves and we contend for and fight for the things that matter most, um, that will change, that'll change effect, change on this planet. It'll change this city. Father God, rearrange our hearts. God, give us the mind to, to be together in this fight. Lord, we know that ultimately you're, you're, <laughs> you're the champion of the fight club. And God, so we put our hearts towards you this morning. And we say, God, put us together with like-minded people that are following um, you on a journey towards becoming more like you. God, help us to fight and contend for things that matter most in life. God, our families, God, our heart, our character, God, our relationship with you, our brothers. But more than anything, we just want to get to the end of our time here on earth and sit, uh, come to the place where we've, we're continually fighting all the way to the very end. Not to, not to lose momentum, but to gain momentum as we go forward. So do that miracle in us today, God. If you're here this morning, this is your first time, you know, kind of hearing this conversation. You're hearing us talk about Jesus and this whole relationship thing. We want to invite you to be a part of something bigger than you can ever think of or imagine. There is a Jesus who loves you, who gave his life for you, and he is forever faithful and wants to fight for you. He wants to contend for you. So if you're here this morning and you just say, yeah, I want to, I want to surrender my life to the one that's going to fight for me. You want to say yes to Jesus for the first time this morning. Would you, with just nobody looking around, would you raise your hand up high in the air? Is there anybody here this morning? They say, Pastor Sean, that's me. I can, I've been trying to fight this battle by myself. Amen. So God send us this morning as fighters. God, we thank you for who you are. Lead us along the way. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen.